Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Nehal Madani, the founder and CEO of Alt Legal, an intellectual property docketing software company. Prior to pursuing this venture, he spent four years as an associate with Kirkland & Ellis in New York. Hi, Nahal. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. It's a privilege. So we spoke a couple of years ago. How has Alt-Legal evolved from its initial mission upon which you founded the company in 2013? It's a great question. So like any early stage company, I think we've gone through several evolutions over the years. So in 2013, when I left Kirkland, I actually started this company as a legal marketplace, connecting lawyers and businesses together and providing efficiency tools on top of it so that would streamline client communications, that would streamline client intake. And I ran that business for probably six months, a year, and didn't find it to be a great business for me personally. And since then, we've probably seen a lot of legal marketplaces have emerged. And so in 2014, we changed to become a document assembly company targeting first IP space before expanding to other areas. And what we found was this incredible demand through some of my personal experience as well in the IP space. And then towards the end of 2014, early 2015, came more in line with what we do today, which is a software company that helps law firms and in-house legal departments create and docket all of their intellectual property filings. How did you make that pivot and what drove that change? So um, for us, you know, we ran the legal marketplace. We were getting business, but I just didn't see the longevity of the business model itself. So part of it was that lawyers can't share legal fees with non-lawyers, which my company was. The second was once I connected a lawyer and a business together, I was this awkward middleman just kind of persisting and not providing as much value as I would have liked in terms of the company. And really the third was we were focused on small businesses which have a high failure rate and a resistance towards legal fees. So they weren't the best long-term clients. So that ultimately led to me shutting down that version of the company. And then in 2014, we started looking at what was working from the marketplace and that was efficiency tools that we had built. And along the way, I had also done my own IP filings and found that to be an incredibly cumbersome, clunky process. And so that led us towards intellectual property. So you always hear this about entrepreneurs, that you have to appreciate and be willing to fail, and then you have to figure out how to pivot. Was the initial idea something that you built upon, or did you shut it down completely and then start fresh? Um, So we actually shut it down completely, um, which was somewhat saddening because I had actually coded up the first version myself. And then when we shut it down, I asked my co-founder who joined at that time, can we use any line of code? He said, no, we have to start fresh. So we just actually completely fresh, kept the same corporate entity, but from a practical standpoint, there was nothing that continued. How has Alt-Legal's customer base expanded over the last four years? Initially, we were a marketplace, so we were targeting both law firms and businesses. But once we moved over to IP, the customer base obviously shifted towards IP law firms and legal departments. But 
what we've seen over the last couple of years since we've been in the IP space is that our customers have more and more complex needs, are becoming larger as well. So what that means is we've gone from serving, say, only solos and small law firms to some of the most sophisticated trademark law firms in the country to some of the AM law firms, as corporate legal departments, both public and private. So as the software has matured, as we've built more of a market presence and brand, we've been fortunate to attract a larger clients as well. I think a lot of it is really that they both have the same needs. They're both frustrated with the legacy software that's out there that is essentially a manual process to manage your IP filings. And they're attracted to, I guess, a few things. One is our automation, that we're able to bring in data directly from these IP offices. The second is we have modern design. So you've probably seen a lot of leaked software over the years. They don't really emphasize usability and design as much as they should. And our customers have been very much drawn to that, especially as you start seeing them adopting iPhones and modern web technology everywhere else in their lives. They start to question, why is my work software that's so critical for everything I do so clunky? And so that's really allowed us to attract customers across the board. Where does that automated data come from? Many of the IP offices provide that data APIs. And so it exposes data because, one, it's certainly public, and you need to have that information public for company individuals to understand what IP filings are out there. So, for example, I need to know, before I file a trademark fault legal, what other trademarks are out there that might be similar. And so they do expose that data through APIs, but there is sort of a challenge with that. So while the data is available, it doesn't necessarily mean the data is ready to be used for automation. And so what we will do with that data is we'll organize it, we'll structure it, and we'll clean up the inconsistencies in the data and then use that to automate our deadline calculations. What factors drive how and when you update your technology and systems? I would say it's probably three factors. One, we listen to our customers. So one of the unique things that really does separate us from our competitors is we have live chat built directly into our software. That means our customers can engage us at all hours of the day, and they do, but they can give us feedback that they can tell us what's working well for them, what's not. And so first and foremost, we were listening to our customers regularly, but then we also look at broader macro trends. So what does the market need? What does the market lack? And what would be good growth opportunities for our business? As an example, a couple of things that we recently launched one was a integration with the EU IPO. So we're bringing, going to be bringing in data directly from the EU IPO and have all of that trademark data available to our customers and use it to bring the same automation that we do for the US PTO today. And then the second, and this was direct response to customer needs, is we've built a search tool called, that we call Live Search that will search across IP offices to help attorneys identify filings that either could be infringing under clients' filings, or to be able to search in a way that they cannot with IP offices today. And so one of the limitations on any individual IP office is you can only search within that IP office. And so our search tool is going to be searching across IP offices. And because we organize and structure the data, we're going to be able to search and offer search options in ways that attorneys can't when they go directly to those IP offices. And so that's going to be a very valuable thing, and that addresses you know, direct input from our customers. So All Legal recently announced a new collaboration with Walters Kluwer. 
how will that partnership impact your clients? So that integration is really underway that we continue to focus on adding value for our clients in our software. So one of the things that WK is exceptional at is providing high-quality content. Within that sort of content space, one of the tools they have is a product called Trademark Navigator. And what that provides is statutes, cases, and treatises on specific trademark legal issues. And what we've done is take that content and bring it and deliver it based on the status of a particular trademark. So as an example, if you have a trademark that you filed and that you're maintaining in our software, and that trademark receives an office action, essentially an objection from the government office, we're going to automatically deliver to you content from Trademark Navigator that's relevant to you addressing that office action. And so rather than you having to go to a separate resource and remember to go to that resource, it's delivered to you right when you need it and exactly with the information that you need for that specific case. How have partnerships of this type contributed to the company's success? What we've realized a long time ago is that we can only do a handful of things well, and that's true probably for any company. So we look for partners, and we're always adding new ones, that will help bring a better experience for our customers, that will provide more value. So Trademark Navigator provides the content. As under example, we work with Clio very closely and integrate with their product so that our customers who use our software to manage their IP filings can also have practice management tools like calendaring, like billing, like document management, and all of that works seamlessly. So we don't create partnerships just for the sake of them, but we focus on ones that are going to add more value to our customers and look for technology integrations where we can. You exhibited at the International Trademark Association annual meeting in Barcelona in May, and you just talked about receiving data from the EU. How does your technology apply across jurisdictions? Our technology is built to scale across and serve IP filers in any jurisdiction. What we're starting to do now, and EUIPO was one of the first, is that we're working with other IP offices to bring in their data automatically into our system wherever that's available. Now, the challenge for us is that not every jurisdiction has digital data available for their IP filings. Now, that's becoming more and more of a trend to do so, but what we do in the absence of jurisdictions that don't have that data is we have pre-programmed rules that will identify the right deadlines for those jurisdictions. And where that data is available, our engineers are bringing in that data jurisdiction by jurisdiction so that we can provide the same level of automation that we do for the USPTO today. And for attorneys, that's complete automation around their docketing. We will automatically identify their filings, we'll automatically update it, and we'll calculate all of their filing deadlines on a regular basis for them. Alt-Legal has been widely recognized within the legal tech community and beyond. Can you share some advice with entrepreneurs who are interested in both breaking in and succeeding in this sector? We've been fortunate enough to get a good amount of press recently, and I think a lot of it is that legal tech is finally, I think, hitting a nice inflection point where the buying cycles are becoming shorter, where law firms, where corporations are looking for new technology that they can implement because they just don't want to be left behind. And many of them, as I described earlier, are frustrated with what legacy software providers offer, where it's a clunky interface, where they will charge you extra for training, where they have multi-year contracts 
And so I think it's hitting this inflection point. And so my advice for new legal tech entrepreneurs would be, one, identify a specific focus. So while legal tech has hit a nice inflection point, start with a niche and start serving that niche because building a legal technology company requires understanding the nuance that lawyers need as well as making sure you address all of the ethical requirements that attorneys must comply with. And so the more niche you are, the more you're able to meet that need with a limited set of funding. And then the second is be persistent. When you're building a legal technology company, it does still take time. It does still take time to penetrate the market. It does take time to build that trust with the, within the legal community. And so being persistent in your sales cycles, being out there and being committed for the long term can certainly help with the success. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Nehal Madani, the founder and CEO of Alt Legal, an intellectual property docketing software company. Nehal, thanks so much, and I wish you continued success. Thank you very much, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.